What's up, Metal Maniacs? This is the Judas Priest cast, and you've got an apology coming. We had some audio issues with our recording, and as a result, I'm back with this episode's guest, Melissa, redoing the intro piece. The rest of the episode where we talk about the song, I was able to salvage, but there's an echoing effect on some of the speech that gets annoying. It only pops up occasionally and doesn't happen the whole time. This was a good conversation, so I decided to clean up what I could and go ahead and release the episode. That said, I hope I won't have to start many podcasts by saying sorry. If you're listening and you do find that the audio is really bad and it's hindering your enjoyment of the episode, let me know. I'll figure out how to make it right. So let's get down to business. This episode's subject is the song Killing Machine from the fifth Judas Priest album. Hattie and I brought in a guest who's been a fan of Judas Priest for over 40 years. She's a fellow podcaster and one of my concert buddies. Please welcome, all the way from Boston, host of the Metal Chat, this is Melissa Nee. Hello and welcome. Thank you. I would say welcome because it's I always I always do that. I always say welcome even though it's not my podcast. They're listening to you now, so you can welcome the listeners as well. Welcome to listening to me on this podcast. Anyway, thanks so much for having me. Uh no apologies necessary. These things happen as a fellow podcaster. I have been in that boat myself. You know, none of us are engineers. We all have day jobs that are not engineering jobs and so we're just trying to figure this out. From, Except from Hattie, most of us. who is an engineer. Well, Hattie's not a sound engineer, though, is she? Uh, true. No, no, not that Jonathan, kind of Jonathan is. Jonathan from yes. A to Z is. So that's why his recordings always sound so professional. But for the rest of us, we're just, you know, average people with day jobs, and this is our hobby, and so we're just trying to figure it out, and sometimes stuff happens. We're here reconvening because you and I, we're about to record an episode of Metal Chat together. So this lined up nicely. And now, listeners, you've got that to look forward to. You'll hear me on Melissa's channel very soon. That's right. We talk about and debrief on the Hell's Heroes Festival we went to. But Melissa, before we get there, you know, tell us what else is going on with Metal Chat. What's new on the channel? So um, go for it. Yeah. So as most people know, my job is really, really tough. So I've been having a little bit of trouble getting stuff out on a more regular basis but i am doing my best but what i have brought back is the 1983 don't call it an arc arc where i highlight an album from 1983 on the month that it came out so last month for example for march i did the debut album for europe from the band europe and i try to pick albums that you may not be that familiar with Maybe you're familiar with the the artist, but not the album, or not the artist at all. In February, sure. I did uh, I did um, Rock Goddess. Rock Goddess, I wasn't Rock too Goddess. familiar with. Obviously, right. everyone knows Europe, but people know the Final Countdown. They don't That's necessarily it. know their other stuff. Right, and I have picked uh, a contender for April, so hey, that will be coming awesome. as well. Yeah, and that's kind of cool. It's kind of like Europe. It's a band you're familiar with, but an album you may not be. Yeah, It's a good way to bring these albums up as they're celebrating their 40th anniversary, right? 1983 arc. It's 2023. So basically, in April, you're going to be talking about an album 
that's celebrating its 40th anniversary in April exactly. as well. Exactly. And then, of course, May comes and May is, of course, an extravaganza because we all know what, well, maybe we don't all know, but most people know what dropped in May of 1983. So they can probably guess what my album for 1983, May 1983 is going to be because people who know me know me, <laughs> know what that's going to be. But there'll be a little bit of a twist with that as well. So, yeah, so that's all. Um, that's all that I've been up to. We went to Hell's Heroes. We'll talk more about that on my show. Next show time I see you is in June. Yeah, I was about to say, you've got more great travel plans and gigs and fests to go to in the summer. Yes. Especially, who's that band you follow around? Um, Iron Maiden? <laughs> yes. Has Iron heard Maiden. Of them? I don't know if you guys ever heard of Iron Maiden, but um, they're out and about. They're going to be out and about in Europe. And we are, we, yes, we, as in George and I, are both going to be at that show in Dublin. I am stoked. Me I'm too. actually and going to Ireland we'll there for with, the first time. And it's well, going to we, be a we, we, great with our trip. friend Fergal. And we always love Fergal. Yeah, and he's a good time, too. He's always a good time. Fergal's a good time on the microphone and off. He's a good time in person, too. So there's going to be some beer drinking, I think, if I had to guess. And not only that, but we're also, the night before, we're going to see British Lion. Yeah, British Lion. That's like the pre-party to the Iron Maiden main event. It is. And Eric Shaw from uh, Maiden A to Z is going to be there. And the Talking Maiden Boys are going to be there. It's going to be fun. Big old meetup. I'll run into a bunch of people that we know. We'll get a solid crew together to drink beers and party all night to one of the best bands hopefully playing some really cool songs that they haven't in a while i'm excited to find out what this future past tour is going to be but Me that's too. a that's a huge story for another time that is that is all right well hey thanks for re-recording this plug and listeners y'all gotta check out metal chat and Keep an eye out for that Hell's Heroes recap episode we'll be doing and stay tuned and we'll be talking about Killing Machine. Uh, if I ever have just three straight days of free time to spare, I, I guess maybe I'll watch one cricket match. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go for test cricket first. Even I don't always like that. But you know what won't take three entire days? Listening to today's song, Killing Machine. No. Ooh, boy. That will take three entire minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a short one. Short but sweet. <laughs> and it gets in and gets out in three minutes and one second. And yeah. I like that. It doesn't, it doesn't wear out its welcome. It doesn't overstay. It's exactly, exactly what it needs to be. Like the killing machine. Exactly. It just, it's punchy, you know, it just comes in, comes out, comes in, yes. does does it's, the job and leaves. It's the mean, lean killing machine. It is. So I, um, this is the first album, Judas Priest album that I bought in real time. And so wow. it's Hellbent for Leather is, was the American version of this which there's a song on it, Hellbent for Leather. So there's like two title tracks because there's two different titles and there's two different title tracks. That's right. 
And uh, so I was interested to find out, Hattie, do you guys have, did you guys have Killing Machine over there? Because I think it was just the U.S. that had it hell-bent for leather. Well, I didn't know what we had there because I kind of like got into huge space from online stuff. So, and it was in like 1978, I guess. So I really don't know, but I think if if anything is available here, it is the European version. So very likely it would be clean machine. I think that I think that it was just the U.S. because the whole reason why they changed the name was I don't know if you guys know the backstory, but there was a shooting in a, an elementary school. I think it was in San Diego. It was a 16 year old girl went and killed the principal and a and I think it, I don't know Odin or something like that. And some kids were injured, and it was just like a it was a big um, it was one of the first uh, national school shootings. Uh, you know, that people were kind of aware about nationally or whatever. And so they just really thought that the, that the, the, the title killing machine just really wasn't appropriate. And so that's why they changed it to, that's why they, it's hell bent for leather. It sounds like another America. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me sad that this is not necessarily a new problem because if school shootings have been happening back since 1978 uh, and it's just getting worse, then it's like, come on, guys, at, at what point is this going to stop? Exactly. Exactly. So um, and I think because because the song itself is, you know, sort of about a hitman, hitman telling you about his life's work, they kind of just they were kind of like didn't want to. I mean, it, they didn't take the so- that song off like they didn't leave it off the album. But they just, but didn't, they want just, didn't, they just didn't want it to highlight it either. But um, yeah, and it wasn't a single. Actually, this the song "Killing Machine" was not a single in the U.S. "Hellbent for Leather" was, and uh, "Green Manalishi," of course, was. I think those were the two singles. There might have been another single. Maybe before, I, I think those are the only two singles. I could be wrong. You can look it up on Wikipedia. I'm going off the top of my head. The thing is, I think that "Hellbent for Leather." actually feels like a little bit better of the title when it's paired with the cover art because yes if you look at the cover oh it's a biker dude he's wearing sunglasses he's wearing leather and it gives you that sort of of judas priest image and when i think helmet for leather i'm thinking about the band's outfits and their style and stuff and i feel like that even works better with the cover art than Killing Machine does. I I agree with that. I like the I like the yeah. title Hellbent for Leather better. Well, I think and it's of course, the song is dope. You know, it's a Judas Priest classic, so it, much more so than Killing Machine. And that's not to put down Killing Machine. It's sort of like it. It's almost not the title track because Hellbent for Leather is so popular. Became became so became so popular, and they really didn't play play it that often like killing machine i think i've seen them do it like twice live i want to say like over the years maybe three times but pretty rare yeah they did it in 2019 the first time that i saw judas priest was 1981 point entry tour and it was not they didn't do it on the tour and i'm old i'm telling you i'm old (laughs) well um so who's heard they didn't so they didn't um they didn't do it on that tour 
And then I think that the tour before that, which was British Steel, I don't think it was on that tour either, which I was supposed to go to that uh, tour, but I had moved to Florida. And so they were in Florida when I was in Boston. And then I was in Florida when they were in, we, we missed each other in oh, 1980. That so I didn't is a massive that. game of hide Yeah, that, that, me moving to Florida in 1980, I missed like a lot of shows because that was like a weird, they were here when I was there and I was there when he was, they were here and... So I can't remember what year I saw them do it, but I believe, I believe I saw, I, I mean, I know they did it in 2019. George, you got any clue when they, um, how many tours this was? Pretty rare song. They only played it on the Killing Machine tour a few times, and then they brought it back for the Firepower tour. Yeah. And that okay. was so just maybe a few I, times. Maybe I, yeah, I only, so maybe it was only once. I thought I saw, I thought I, I thought they did it twice, but. I could be wrong. You know, setlist.fm is not 100% accurate. I mean, when it comes to shows that were before the internet and before yeah. this website yeah, existed. Yeah, people are, well, because the people are going by sort of memory and whatnot. Like, I'm, I'm, I remember 2019, but I was trying to remember if they had done it. But I guess they maybe, maybe they hadn't done it before then. That's interesting. But yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's not a song that, which sucks because it's a really good song live because it's a heavy song and it's a quick song, True. you know, so you can, you can stick it in, you know, it's, it doesn't take up a lot of time. It doesn't right. take, it doesn't take up a lot of space so you can, you know, you can pop it in and it's a good heavy driving headbanging song. That's for sure. It's a yep. Tipton, it's a Tipton song. Yep. Which explains the, the, the driving beat, which is playing, the bass you know you can sort of interesting tell. it's before judas priest started crediting just every song with halford downing tipton so this one is a tipton songwriting credit alone yeah. yeah yeah look at that yeah yeah they stopped doing that with british steel i think so but uh, there are a few songs on this album that were written just mm-hmm. by glenn running wild hellbent for weather and this yeah, one, I mean, killing machine. Yeah, I mean, Glenn Glenn contributed a lot to this to this album. Yeah, he sure did. He yeah he has a credit on every song, and they always do. But it's it it's interesting to note that the song was written without Downing and Halford because usually it's a three way team. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so that's why you get. I mean, he may have written it on the bass. It's got a bass. Uh, thing going you know it's got that bass line mm-hmm. that going on but uh it's but it's a it's a good song it's a, it's a good song and it's got a good guitar solo sure does what do you guys think you want to hear it yeah yeah let's have a listen Okay. 
Okay. So this song right off the bat, it kicks ass. And yep. Literally and figuratively, yes. <laughs> that riff is cool. And I like when they have this little bit of sound effect come in at the beginning. This part that I'm talking about mm-hmm. right here. Yeah, I don't know what that is that makes that noise. I think it's just a guitar, isn't it? Just like a oh, guitar. Yeah. yeah, it could be a open string on a guitar. You're right. It, however, they made it. It sounds really cool. It's got sort of a. I mean, it's it, the song's from the '70s, but it's got a '70s mm-hmm. vibe to it. Yeah, you know, like a. I don't. I don't know how to explain it, but like a. It's got like a '70s. You can tell it's a '70s song, but not like yep. in, a, in a dated kind of way. There's a real tough guy vibe to this one. Like I listen to this song and I hear it with the cover art in my mind. And I'm picturing this biker dude who's on the Same, album yeah. cover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and Rob's voice is not, it's more uh, gritty. It's not like high mm-hmm. soaring vocals. It's more gritty, more kind of trying to give you the the story of somebody who's thought, a tough yeah. guy who's on, you know, in from the streets, you know. Yeah, that vocal delivery is exactly like you're saying, and I was going to probably bring that up later, too. The just mm-hmm. gritty, not not necessarily high painkiller Halford, just the gritty and smooth and slick voice that he's putting on here. It's different than some other stuff that he does, and I love it. It, it shows off his yeah. versatility, and he's yeah. good at this, too. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I do, too. I do too. And, you know, I, I just, I like this song. I mean, it's sort of like, it's sort of menacing, I guess. And, you know, the subject matter is kind of dark, I guess. I mean, you know, like they do a lot of songs about fighting for your rights and for, you know, and for their love of metal and, and then the whole sort of sexual double entendres and all this stuff. And this is just like straightforward. This is a song about a guy who kills people. That's it. Well, yeah, he kills because he has to. It's he not the to, battle, but it's not the battle between good and evil that you see in some. No, this is songs. a guy who's just saying, "This is this is this is my life, and this is what I do," you yeah. know. And there's also a little bit of maybe melancholy in it, right? He's kind of lonely. Yeah. He's kind of like, <laughs> I guess we'll get there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Those themes are already starting to become apparent. They get a little more easy to see as we get on in the song. But I am picking up on some of that melancholy and loneliness now that you mention it. I like that. From the first verse, you can pick up a little bit of that on, I never give true answers, but I never tell no lies. So it's not true, but it's not a lie either. Maybe it's just um, something in between. Yeah, kind of, dance, kind of dance, around, dance around the subject and kind of, um, you know, kind of like the way a politician answers a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then you get there the and... machine. <laughs> but yeah that later part is even like you know it gives a lonely vibe like i don't ask no favors so don't get abused i mean they had the, were in the risk of getting abused if they asked for favors so that's sort of like you know the happy 
and I learned to win when I was young, so I'm never ever gonna lose. It's also like a supporting that point because uh, they had to experience like now or never kind of situation since they were young. So it means life wasn't easy on them. I think it's like a calling card, right? It's sort of like his this is sort of like his business card, you know, because he tells you you know what he does and he tells you he's good at it. Yep, and he's sort yeah. of telling you like. If you hire me to do this job, I'm not going to rat you out. I'm not going to do stupid things like tell my girlfriend. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like I'm a professional. Yeah, exactly. Killing is this guy's business and his business is good. (laughs) Him and Dave Mustaine. (laughs) So here's what I'm getting out of this. That's an old man can suck it. So here's what I'm getting out of this part. So don't get abused. I learned to win when I was young. So I'm never, ever going to lose. I sort of hear the words and the, and the sentiments of someone who themselves was a victim. Maybe someone who got abused. Maybe someone who was victimized. And so they're, they're speaking in code that they learned to win when they were young or they learned to defend themselves and they learned to use violence as a way to get what they want. Yes. Get what they want. So that mm-hmm. in the future, they'll never go through that pain again. So I'm never, ever going to lose. Right. Yeah. It has like very dark and sad undertones. Yeah, I'll say, Hey, I mean, we're only going down this rabbit hole though, because we want to, I mean, the lyrics are mm-hmm. what you make of them. That's the beauty of the lyrics. And, he, you know, he's sort of maybe even also like kind of defending himself, defending his choice, his life choices. Justifying mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But is he self-justifying it to himself or is he justifying it to us? Could be both. Could be both. I mean, oftentimes when people are justifying to other people, they are, they're also talking to themselves. They're doing it both at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you think? Time to hear more? Yeah, time to hear more. I never ask no questions. I never speak my mind. I always found silence to keep me in my kind of life. I take care of business. It takes care of me. I look after myself and do it well because somebody's always looking for me. In this guy talking about what a professional he is and how good he is at what he does, lines like, I take care of business. I found that silence helps to keep me and my kind alive. Okay, so he's not talking about what he's doing he's keeping everything private yep keeping his head down mm-hmm. and just taking care of business i'm also hearing a little bit of what i was bringing up with the whole dark past of himself being a victim i look after yeah. myself and do it well is one of the lines here so because somebody's always looking for me yeah, yeah. Exactly. so it that one can be uh, uh, taken in two ways. Like somebody's always looking for me to contact me and like you know get get use my expertise, 
or somebody's always looking for me for revenge. Right. Probably more revenge. <laughs> more revenge. like, yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the law to for justice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he knows he has to kind of stay in the shadows. And yeah, this part kind of reminds me, I mean, makes me wonder like the contract on you. So the person that uh, this killing machine is referring to is possibly their new target. And before like doing the business, they are just letting them know that you are screwed. <laughs> oh, the proverbial villain who likes to talk before he does in his victim. Yeah. And you know, the later versus kind of supports that. That's another part that reminds me of Killing Is My Business because at the end of the song, like the last lyrics are when Dave says, and my next job is you. So it's almost like the same thing or I should say directly speaking to the next person that you're going to kill in the lyrics is a common theme here. Right. Maybe Dave was inspired by this song. Yeah, they both start with the word killing even. Well, like who knows what Dave was inspired. You know, I bet he, well, I mean, he was listening to this stuff. He was listening to this stuff. I mean, he's of the age. Very likely. He was a teenager for this, for this stuff. He probably owned this album. Well, he just did a cover of Delivering the Goods. Yeah. So so. He definitely likes this album. <laughs> he's definitely Makes sense. This album. Yeah. Yeah. This is our first time talking about this album on Judas Priest cast. There are a lot of good songs on this one. There is. There is. There's a couple of clunkers, but overall, I really like this album. It's a, it's a heavier. Yep. your album there's a couple of them uh and this is the album you know that has green man alishi which is one of their best Ooh, covers yes. great, that song. great song delivering the goods is excellent i love that one title track hellbent for weather yeah Running wild is good yeah before the dawn is this oh yeah before the dawn, i love that yeah before the dawn is interesting because it's one of the very few songs that K.K. Downing played after his retirement for Priest at that mm. one gig he did with uh, Tim Owens and friends. Really? Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Shout out to Uncle Steve who let me know about that. Well, we've got uh, another minute and a half of this song. Yeah, please. The good part, the juicy parts here. I love this part more. Awesome solo. Yep. We are <sighs> the bridge are really good too. Yeah. 
This is definitely the part where you're hearing a lot of that melancholy. You mentioned, Melissa, what matter of man am I? Just a mm -hmm. gun, a lump sum, and then I move on. Uh, very much diminishing what he does and how much impact he has. Maybe there's part of that that also is due to the guilt that he's trying to suppress from all the damage that he's causing to families and people's lives. But then he's also, yeah. you know, tells you that he's, you know, he's good at what he does. He's got expensive tastes. He's, you know, he, he's probably, um, because he's probably his only friend, he probably treats himself really well. You know, he probably um, has a nice place to live and probably has a nice, maybe a uh, wine collection or, you know what I mean? Or wears nice clothes or goes to nice restaurants. Like he treats himself nice because he kind of doesn't have anybody else to do it for him. Well, I kind of see it in this way, like this person is very likely a hired assassin and um, he's contracted by other like people of like money and shit to get business done to people of like their kind, like other rich and powerful people. And that's why he kind of when he's getting his business done, he says that like you people, you have everything and still you are like stabbing your friends to jump a queue, like, you know, betraying your kind. Whereas all I do is like just get my job done and I don't really interact with others and just do my shit and move to move on and move to next assignment. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right about that. He he definitely just um he's done you know that he's yeah, he doesn't he doesn't bother with the petty nonsense. He's just in the, he's just there to take care of what he needs to take care of and and on to the next project. Yeah. In this line. I do what I do because I can't do nothing better. Mm -hmm. Are you getting out of that, that he's bragging about how good he is? Because when I read that line, I sort of read it with a sense of regret. I do what I do because I can't do nothing better. I read yeah. that like I do this because I can't do anything else. I'm not good at anything else. The sort of I fell into this path and it's all I know how to do. Yeah, yeah. It also reminds me of like I always say, like late seventies when shit went like cray cray for Britain. So people were taking like really shady ways of life just to survive. Like as we hear in the actual uh, Caviar and Matt song that it says, "I have no home," uh, like and all that. So I think it it kind of ties to that kind of uh, sentiment that they don't really have much means to get by in other professions or everything. So they take the dark path. And at the same time, like the next line kind of justifies it. You do what you do, just defending yourself because you've got, a, not, got nothing better to do. It's like you people have chance, choices and all that, and you still choose to betray your kind. And that's why they contact me to get rid of you. Whereas we have zero kind of, you know, alternatives. So we just have to do this dirty business for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sort of a time honored story. The whole breaking bad kind of mythos where people become fed up with the system and they go and break the law because they want to 
skip the line. They want to get ahead. They want to try and beat the system that's been beating them down. Yeah, that that's the like common story of capitalism, is it not? Can't deny that. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we finish this up? Uh, I think uh, we can move on. Like, like you're killing machine, I guess. Rift that closes that out. So good. Yeah. And I like it just closes out. There's no like fade out. There's no nothing. It just wraps up. Yeah, it yeah, starts like, like, like bam and ends that way as well. It's very compact. Kind of like a, a murderer for hire. Just comes in, comes out. <laughs> no spill. That's right. This sounds like a very, very heavy riff for 1978. I mean, it it is. So this is one of the heaviest songs around that time. This is definitely a metal song. And I think that this is this album is one of the albums that really solidified them as a metal band with their look, with their sound. Just the whole package that was really, uh, they were really letting everybody know that the they were a metal, a metal band. And this yeah. is around the same time that they started the whole wearing leather and everything like that. Because, you know, they didn't earlier in the first yep. few albums they didn't. So this is really where they, they kind of solidified their look. So this is, this is a whole package of, yep. of heavy, of we're, he- we're a heavy metal band. And this is really, and and this song is an example of them kind of kind of throwing the gauntlet down, going, you know what, we're a heavy metal band. This is what we look like. This is what we represent. And this is this is where we're going to go uh, with our career. Yeah, they did that. They did that for sure. They pulled it off. Yeah. And songs like Hellbent for Weather, Running Wild, they were fast. They were heavy, more so than a lot of other bands were doing at the time oh yeah oh definitely yeah definitely i mean if you think about you know you know what was around in 78 i mean even even black sabbath in 78 i mean what was it was that never say die yeah so i mean you don't talk about never say die (laughs) that was a little bit different than uh than the heavier stuff that they had they had done earlier you know what i mean that was a that was a little bit of a turn I mean, I'm trying to think yeah. of like what the heaviest albums like 78, 79. I mean, this was probably the heaviest album or pretty close yeah, to the heaviest that's... album. Maybe Motorhead. Well, maybe not Motorhead, but I don't oh, know. Maybe, you know, Deep Purple had even kind of like not been kind of chilled out. And, uh, you know, 
you know, keyboards and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say this, I would say that this is probably the heaviest album, 78, 79. Yeah. You could listen to this riff and still, this riff just sounds like it crushes. Yeah, it works. Sounds good. It does. Totally. I think one thing, like even before they actually, I mean, Judas Priest actually went into this heavy shit, they always wanted to like express themselves without any, you know, without holding back that we are here to be a heavy metal uh, band and we are doing heavy metal. Whereas the other bands were like still testing the waters and all that. Well, right. I mean, famously, you know, Talk about Black Sabbath. They didn't want to be. They didn't want to be called. They didn't want to be called. called, Yeah. And no band, no, there's no band in the history of heavy metal that has flown the flag for metal more than Judas Priest. That's why they're metal gods. They, I mean, they've always, they've never wavered. They've never, well, I mean, they've had some little hiccups, you know, turbo, but They've never shied away from, you know, being a heavy metal band. Yeah, we're a heavy metal band. We yeah. want to be a heavy metal band. We want you to know we're a heavy metal band. We want you to, you know, understand that that's, that's what we do. They do it all for metal. They do. Yeah, and they were like, Even the first ones were later. Like, the first yeah. ones to really, do, to, do, to, really, to really embrace it. Because heavy metal was really, I mean, it wasn't really, it was really new really new i mean this is this is when you know 78 79 is really the very very beginnings of the new wave of british heavy metal um and even in the early you know a lot of that is not super heavy you know your venom was probably the heaviest to come out of new wave of british heavy metal yeah this is before slayer was even a garage band well yeah because the slayer slayer guys were are my age so they were like you know 13 like me <laughs> so listen this is as heavy as it got back then probably yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that it's a template we were talking about dave mustaine but but slayer dave mustaine you know so all these guys are around my age these are all guys that would be teenagers when this came out so that were influenced by this metallica megadeth slayer testament Exodus, all of all of those bands, that's they're they're growing up with this just you know in real time. Well, that's that puts a lot of things in perspective. I think yeah, everything in metal oh. it goes back to priest. Yeah, that kind of makes me like really really happy that I'm here. Like you know how uh, just the cogs in my brain are just turning. And yeah, it's a very interesting way of like looking at it. They even they even influenced Iron Maiden, right? Because they came before Iron Maiden. I mean, they've influenced. Yeah, they definitely have. They've influenced everybody. I you know, Steve Harris would never admit that he was influenced by Judas Priest. I probably wouldn't, but um, Adrian but we, probably it's okay. would. We know. We, he doesn't have to say it. We he know. didn't have to say it. Adrian, Adrian and Dave probably would, though. Yeah, they seem nice enough to admit that. Bruce might be a little more. Uh... Bruce might not have. Well, I mean, Bruce was by the vocally, definitely. I mean, he's, he talks about Ronnie James Dio, but you know that 
Rob Halford is in that equation. I mean, he's absolutely in that equation. Impossible not to be influenced by right. them. So, yeah. And I guess they can really talk about a lot of this because they have this kind of brand stuff going. So they have to turn themselves you know, this down. Ri- this rivalry or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Pretend this, rivalry, whatever. Yeah, media generated like rivalry and all that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They, they they all I mean they're all coming up the same you know what I mean it's the same it's the same scene it's the same scene it's not that big you know mm-hmm. it's not but really also, I mean, there is another thing like these people these other famous British men they kind of wear like pro-establishment backgrounds like they are into Tories like I, I mean back then they were so and I have no shame in bashing them for that and uh, all that and whereas Judas Priest came from like this very working class background and all that so they kind of have their own ways of telling things and not you know having an intersection regarding a lot of stuff so well when you talk about this particular song um, and the lyrics of Killing Machine you can also pair that with somebody who is coming from you know, uh, we were talking about this before, about somebody who's coming from an area where there's not a lot of options, like you go work in the mine or you become mm-hmm. uh, a rock star or you uh, become a contract killer. You know what I mean? Like there's there's not a lot of, if you're trying to get out of, you know, wherever it is that you're from, the poverty or, you know, or the- Straight out the, of um, Scratcher's Heaven. You know, that kind of that kind of thing. Lord, I hate that woman so much. <laughs> oh, man. And Melissa, you had to live with the whole Margaret Thatcher shit in real time, too. <laughs> yeah. I did. The female Ronald Reagan. Oh, boy, yes. <laughs> yep. Who for, who can forget that, man? Ooh, la, la. <laughs> yeah. I like what you mentioned before, Melissa, about how the vocals mm-hmm. are delivered not with those stereotypical Halford highs, but with more of a just casual, cool voice. And because of that, it's made it actually really easy for Halford to replicate that style when performing it live. And because of that, the song sounds really good live because of the few, even even in the few instances that they've played it, yeah, I mean, this is something I I think it's something that they should put back in the set list because I think it's something that lends to his voice nowadays. I think if there's not he doesn't have to you know hit any high notes and all that kind of stuff. I think it, it definitely lends itself to where his voice is today. Yeah, yep. I'll say. I think you have to hear a little bit of this one. Okay. This is killing machine. Oh, 
Sounds yeah, and yeah. also I have to say, Scott Travis is the man. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing what he does, taking Judas Priest and making it sound great. Well, isn't this is this the last album that Los Pinks was on? It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Les. I do too. Yeah. That's a lot of the reason that Killing Machine is such a good album, Les Binks. Yeah, and a lot of the reasons why the the drums are heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not a drum machine sound. It's not a four on the floor beat. No, no, it's a little bit more uh, aggressive, I guess. Yeah, a little more intricate because Les Binks mm-hmm. had the whole background of being trained in jazz. Right. Oh boy, it would be so different if he could like not get the suit treatment. Yeah, I would love to see. I would love to see Les Binks back with um with them. That's the guy, but Les was so cool in the Rock Hall induction. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I yeah. wish they could work something out where they could be they like a pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, it's just it's time to like try to mend some fences before somebody's dead and you can't do it you know i mean it was great Mm -hmm. to see them all together though you know but like yeah you know loved it i know that les was working with you know kk yeah Um, that's what i was starting to say yeah yeah and then he he bowed out of that album and then but there's the, the second album they're doing now i don't know i don't know if les is involved in that or not to be honest with you I don't think so now, because they have a different drummer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I don't know what he's I don't know what he's up to, but I would really like it if he um if he came back. The world could use a little more Wes Binks, couldn't it? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with KK's second album. I mean, I, I would like to see them find some way to sort of reunite at least for a show or for a song. Yeah, I mean, live shows would be cool, you know. Somebody comes out and does a does a song or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Mend those fences. Yeah. Exodus, Exodus had a couple of their ex members do guest spots on the most recent album, and I'm not going to claim I loved that album, but I love that sentiment. You know, if mm-hmm. Judas Priest brought on Les Binks and KK Downing to guest on a couple of tracks on the new album, people would love it. I'd like it. Absolutely. Everybody would love it, right? Everybody would love it. It would it would be good for album sales. I mean, it would be good for shows. I mean, I think that they kind of dropped the ball with this 50th anniversary thing. I think they could have, um, you know, maybe try to find a way to 
I mean, guns and roses tour, and they don't like each other. They just go out and, you know, they're making money hand over fist. They just go out. Exactly. They're not having beers after the show. They're not even staying at the same hotels, for God's sakes. I mean, you don't don't have to, like, I mean, it's a job, right? And Mm -hmm. you don't like every coworker you have. I mean, I I have coworkers. I get along with them. I talk to them during the day or whatever, but they don't have my phone number. I don't go out with them after work. I don't, you know, and there's people that I do. My favorite story like that is apparently David Lee Roth tour rider when he was doing the reunion tour with Van Halen. He requested that his dressing room be as far away from the Van Eddie Van Halen's dressing room as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is I mean, there is something to be said for like, you know, uh no chemistry on stage and things like that. But I mean, like I don't know. I mean, a job's a job. A job's a job. I mean, and and if they if they ha- ever had like you know KK or less or both you know jump on and and do a, a leg of a tour or something like that I mean you know sales would be through the roof I mean if they had him yes. if they had them come out you know at Madison Square Garden or whatever wherever they were playing up in Madison Square Garden but whatever the veterans veterans uh, in uh, in New York um, you know then. All the sales around it, everybody would be buying up tickets that didn't even have tickets just to see if maybe it was going to happen again. You know, because it's kind of the same thing that happens when they, you know, when Glenn comes out. Yeah, yeah. Reunions sell because people people don't just love the band. They love the people in the band. Right, right. Mm -hmm. We like the idea of them being together all the time because, yeah, why not? We already uh, brought up I Megadeth, think, yeah. and Megadeth Oof. has Marty Friedman doing a guest. Yeah, in Japan. In Japan, it's going to be so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I that's, think I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. I think, you know, it only happens when it makes money. So I think that uh, uh, Hall of Fame thing also happened because it makes the dollars. Yeah, and, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I get that. I mean, to, you know, you don't want somebody to be disingenuous either. I mean, that's, that's kind of pointless too. But I, I mean, I know that, you know, like a lot of people, you know, everybody waited to see if, you know, oh, is Glenn going to come out doing my show, you know, and he didn't come out to our show. (sighs) You know, that was unfortunate, but, but like, this is a good song for him to maybe if he, um, when he comes out and does a song, I don't know if he could do this song. I don't know. It might be too much for him. Yeah, and I think yeah, if JK was to join the band for guest appearances, then he would be able to make appearances every night because he seems like he's still doing pretty good with his health. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. They could pick a song and then he could come out every, every whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's physically doing well. Like he has stopped drinking like since mid 2000s, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, listen. I mean, the one thing I will say about his uh, his solo album is the guitar work is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guitar yeah, work. I can't is deny excellent. that he still has the skills. Right, right. And I, this song might be a little too hard for Glenn to do. I don't know. What song does he usually? Because he usually comes out and does what? You got another thing coming? What does he come out and do? Breaking do the law and living after midnight. Oh, okay. I knew it was one of the like more like. Yeah. maybe film. hellbent for weather as well but yeah and the thing is those songs he's played so many times 
that mm-hmm. he probably has the inherent muscle memory for them too. Like, mm-hmm. have you ever heard that story about how the voice actor for Bugs Bunny was in a coma and no one could make him wake up? But then once someone started talking to him in Looney Tunes voices, he started answering because that was just the part of him that he'd been doing as his job for decades and it was ingrained in him. No, that's interesting though. That's cool. Yeah. So they reached him that way and in a similar fashion. I, I bet Glenn Tipton has played Breaking the Law so many times that he just could do it like reflexively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It happens just on autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we all have that in our job. There's uh, things that you just do it and you just don't even, you just do it and you've done it so many times. You just, you know, and then you go to train somebody and you're like, oh, wait a minute, how do I do this? Because I just stop and think. (laughs) How do I explain something that I just do on autopilot? It just gets done. (laughs) We did a great job explaining this Judas Priest song. So thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on and talking about Killing Machine with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's always great to be on your on your show. Always great. Always great to, to, to be chat on with yours. you guys to meet you, Hattie, and always great to talk to you, George. And uh, oh, thank you. Hopefully, Hattie will come on my show sometime soon if we can sort of figure out between my job and the time difference and everything else. <laughs> totally. Thanks, Melissa. We always have fun. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you at Hell's Heroes again. Last year, oh, me too. Last year's was awesome. This year, we're going even harder. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just me and you this time. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I know some other folks from Twitter who are going. Oh so, yeah, yeah, me so too. I'm hoping that I'll meet up with them and. I'll introduce you and you can make some new friends and we'll all party together and it'll be great. Yeah. I'm hoping for yes. good weather and just, yeah, I think it's going to be, going to be awesome. So cool, you imagine, Melissa, if it's the one day of the year that it rains in Houston <laughs> and they moved it to the outdoor stage. Well, they, they were going to move it out. They are going to have it on the outdoor. So they're going to have the outdoor stage. Right. We're just going to have to hope it doesn't rain. Otherwise, we're going to all be upstairs again in that little <laughs> that little closet. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to see Celtic Frost in a room that holds 100 people. That'll work. <laughs> It'll be crazy. Oh, yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, that's going to be good. It's going to be a good time. That's all the heavy metal chatter we've got for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep defending the faith.